This morning, I really uh, felt led to share something that the Lord has been uh, challenging me with. And, and I preached on this topic on a Wednesday a few weeks back. And uh, I really, really felt like I needed to talk about it on a little more on Sunday morning too. And uh, if you've, you've probably, if you're here on Wednesday evening, you probably heard uh, part of it or most of it. But I want to encourage you to allow God to shape your ideas. Allow the word to shape your ideas of God too. Just thank God. And on and, and Wednesday nights, I've actually been going through the Lord's Prayer, actually. And I encourage you, again, to be there if you can. Uh, and this morning, I'm just going to share part of the first part of it, which I touched on a few, uh, a few weeks back. And I don't know about you guys, but it seems to me, especially in these last few years that I've observed, that this whole idea of prayer has been overlooked a lot by Christians, you know. And we just assume that just because a person is a Christian or follows Christ and shows up to church, that person really prays, you know. And, and I'm challenged by that because prayer is such an important or such a vital part of our Christian lives, yet it feels like so many Christians struggle to pray. Prayer is, uh, like I said, it's so essential to our everyday living. And I have had so many people ask me questions about, uh, about prayer, you know, you know, how to pray and why should I pray and uh, how much should I pray, when should I pray. And even if you think about this, even as we think about this, I've got to ask uh, a question and I need you to be really honest with yourself as you answer the question. Because the question is this, do you believe that prayers are effective? <coughs> oh man, let me say it this way. Do you really believe? Do you really believe or are you convinced that prayer changes things? And if your answer is yes, I got to follow up and ask, do you have a consistent prayer life? Do you believe it's so important? Because the way I see it, and I, I see that life comes at us. The ups and the downs and situations get thrown across our lives, and we have really have two choices, really. To worry or stress out and get all flustered or we can pray. Those are the two choices. Honestly, if you think about it, those are the two options we really have. Especially when things don't go the way we plan for it to go. We can either freak out about it and worry about it or we can pray. And the thing that I realize or am realizing and growing in is the fact that the more I pray, the less I tend to stress out and worry. The more I pray, the less I worry. It's just, uh, it's just a truth of life that I'm, tr I'm figuring out slowly. 
more and more every day. And there's a saying I really like, and I don't know where the origin is from. And I said, I don't know. But we regret the stuff that happened yesterday and worry so much about what might happen tomorrow that we lose the joy of living today. Realize that stress and worry and anxiety basically sucks and drains the joy of living every day. So we can choose to worry. It's a choice we make. We choose to worry or we choose to pray and trust God. Worry robs us, like I said, robs us of, of the joy. And that's why Paul tells the Philippians, Philippians 4.6 is a common verse. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Yes. Verse 7 says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love what the New Living Translation, it says, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I encourage you, if you don't already do that, read the Bible in different versions. Because you know, sometimes something pops out in a different version. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. There's nothing that is not important to God in your life. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than human, the human mind can understand. And verse 7 it says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Pray about everything. Of course, the questions that always come up, what? Do I pray? How do I pray? What words do I use? And maybe some of us and some of you have the question, why pray at all? Does it really do anything? And I don't have a perfect answer to all the questions about prayer, but I hope that after I'm done with this morning that you have reason to pray. Not just pray before the meals like, Everybody does sometimes. Well, not everybody does, but you know what I mean. But to pray with confidence. Amen. Pray with confidence. And that's what my kind of uh, title, my sermon, basically it's about praying with confidence. That's what Paul talks about when he's talking to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, he talks about uh, 3.12. He talks about approaching God with confidence. Approaching God with confidence. The writer of Hebrews in 4.16, he says same thing. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Prayer, I don't know how, sometimes we pray, you know, God, if it's your will. Yes, if it is your will. But there's a confidence behind that if too. The confidence is that God knows what he's going to do. And what he's going to do is going to be the best for you. Amen. That's what that if really means. It may not turn out how you want it to turn out. But we pray with confidence because we know God will, will be done. And the disciples have the same question uh, in, uh, in Matthew chapter 6. It's part of the whole sermon on the mount, this whole teaching section that uh, the author Matthew, I mean, the gospel writer Matthew puts together. And they come to him and ask him, Lord, 
uh, Jesus teaches how to pray and Jesus gives them this model that he meant for them to pattern and I know that itself has become a prayer. You know, we call it the Lord's Prayer and we've memorized it. If you've been in church long enough, we've memorized it. Doesn't matter which background you come from, but most churches we memorize this. And so turn with me to the Lord's Prayer that we find in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And we're going to read those verses all the way. It's a very interesting section actually, Matthew chapter uh, chapter 6. And uh, it talks, and maybe sometime I'll get that whole chapter down as such. But verse 5, it says, and when you pray, not if you pray, it's when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. I'll come back to verse 8. It's kind of important there. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Of course, the doxology which is added later for yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Why pray when verse 8, look at verse 8, it's kind of strange here. He's talking about pagans who just keep babbling, right? They think that God's going to hear them because they use many words. But it says, do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. If He already knows what I need, why do I need to pray? Because prayer establishes the relationship we have with Him. God knows what you need. It's not like He doesn't know what you need. When you pray, all you really are doing, or one of the things you are doing is establishing that relationship you have with Him. Please realize that God is not the God while He... Let me say this carefully. Well, God is the God and sovereign over everybody. He doesn't work. It sounds awful, but let me understand what I'm trying to say. He isn't the God of everybody. He's the God of people who allow him to be God Amen. in their lives. Amen. Yes, he is sovereign about everything. We're not in questioning that. Our... Heavenly Father, the question and the thing is this. He is God of those who really call Him and accept Him as our Father. Yes, our Heavenly Father, the reason we can pray and we pray with confidence is not because of God not knowing our need, but it is because God is our Heavenly Father. Yes, 
That's why we can pray with confidence. This is how you pray. And he starts with our Heavenly Father. And uh, I mentioned this on Wednesday. This simple phrase is probably one of the most radical things that Jesus said in his time. One of the most radical things because nobody would have really talked about God in that way. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't seem too radical right now in our age we live in because we, we always have, you know, that idea of God as our father. Some, I mean, we kind of have that idea right now. But realize that when Jesus was around in the years before that, nobody really called God, Yahweh or whatever as father as such. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, God is referred to as, as Father just a very few, less than 10 times He's referred to and called like that, in that, in that manner. Because you have, in their understanding of God, you know you have this God and He's in this Holy of Holies, this is all other God, and all of a sudden Jesus comes along and He says, you know, here's how you need to talk to God, and you just call Him Father. I know it's scandalous when people say, hey, call God daddy. But that's essentially what he was trying to say there. Abba, Father. Again, the context in which uh, Sam, Jinnu, and me come from, we have a big uh, Muslim population. And a lot of them, they call their fathers Abba. They said that. So we're familiar with that passage. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, that word, that phrase. It's, it's a term of endearment because they call him that all the time. And here you have all of a sudden this God who's supreme and sovereign and above everything. And all of a sudden Jesus saying, you know that person there. It's not just a force and some supernatural thing out there. He's a being that you and I can call Father. Israel definitely had, like I said, this understanding of God being a person, but they never understood the intimacy and the relationship that it really allowed them to have with God too. They struggled with it because, again, you got to think about it. They defined God in terms, their relationship with God was more defined along the lines of the Ten Commandments and all the million laws that they came up with. Not a million, I forget how many, but that's how they defined their relationship with God. You know, he blesses when you do good and he smacks you in the head if you do something wrong. They didn't understand and that's why Jesus is saying God is our father. It's such a radical phrase for that time. God, I mean, it's close to blasphemy if I, I mean, probably for them. But what is blasphemous for them gives us confidence today. That we can come and approach God because He is our Father. And because of that, we can have a real relationship with Him. I know it's, it's easy to say theoretically and relate to God as Father theoretically. And I think one of the biggest problems and challenges we have in today's world is the term Father itself has lost its significance. Father's become, I mean, you have always... It's either the Rambo, this big guy with all, you know, that's either father or it's the Homer Simpson kind of guy who's good for nothing. That's really how, really, that's how society views fathers right now. And we struggle with this understanding of father and we view fathers sometimes in a very negative term. I mean, because it brings up bad memories, either disappointment or resentment or anger, uh, maybe even abuse. You don't know. 
always, and I'm being open and vulnerable here, I guess, but my relationship with my father, we were connected through his leather belt, really. That's how we were connected. He spoke to me more. His belt spoke to me more than he did, but it's not that I deserved it, you know, all the time. Well, most of the time I probably did, but I'll be honest, if I thought about it and I thought about it, if God is anything like my father, I didn't want anything to do with God, really. And that's why it took me studying the word when God revealed himself more and more that I understood what it meant to have a heavenly father. Knowingly or unknowingly, we take those same negative emotions that we have from not just father, from parents, and we put that on God. Unreasonable, you know, unpleasable. Never, I can never do anything good to make them happy. Unconcerned, you know, never there but not really there. And sometimes it's easy, whether we like it or not, we just uh, involuntarily just put that on God too. When he says he is our father. If you've ever felt, no matter what I do, I'll never be good enough for God. Let me tell you that that's not what the word says. That's something the devil's whispering to you. He is our father. I say this with... (coughs) Say this with humility when I say this. I think one of the main reasons people struggle to connect with God is because of the breakdown of the family structure we have in the world around us. And it's vitally important and I want to challenge you to take time to dig into this aspect of God being our Father. Dig into the Word. Because when he does that, when he reveals himself to that, in, in that way to you, your lives just take a different direction really. When you know him as father, it makes such a big difference in the way you live your life. Think about it. If some, my dad is the boss, I walk in not just wired with my head. I'm not, I walk in with confidence when I walk into this place because he's the boss of this whole place. My father controls everything. Not always the way I like it. But I have confidence to live my life because my father is in control. Our father, one of the reasons I can pray and I can pray with confidence because I can approach him as my father. I mean, think about this logically. If you have something you need and you've got to go to this person in authority and he's a total stranger, you have kind of mixed emotions. You know what's going to happen. But if you have a need, just, I don't know why, if the city, you had to get a permit from the city and you know the person in charge was your dad. You'd get a permit way easier. You walk in with a lot more confidence. It's simple. That's the way it works. Have that confidence. When we pray, we pray with confidence because he is. We are approaching our heavenly father. Prayer is never meant to be complicated. Never meant to be complicated. It's not something we do with fear as such because we're approaching this holy God and everything else. Prayer is never, not because he's this supernatural being who can zap us like those guards, you know. We don't come with that kind of fear before him. 
I always say this, just if Alyssa and Aiden, when they need something, they don't come to me with, oh, mighty ruler of this plot of land and lord of this household, we beseech thee. No, they don't. Why do we complicate prayer? When they come to me, they just come, Daddy, we need something. Why are we embarrassed to come to God with that confidence? They come with confidence. They know that I might not give them everything. I'm, sometimes I'm not able to meet all their needs. But they come with confidence because they know who they're coming to. Do we, when we pray, do we know who we're approaching? When you understand that you are coming to your heavenly father, you come and pray with confidence. Amen. There's something about that relationship that, that I have with my kids that makes me pay attention to what they are about to say. That's what prayer is all about. It's not about the need. It's about us coming before God and expressing, God, you are my father. That's one of the things we do in prayer. That's why he doesn't need to know. It's not that you come with your list like God's forgotten what's on that list. All it's coming is saying, I depend on you. Prayer is just expressing our dependence on God. Not coming with a list as such. There are no formal pleas. I've been in some prayers which are really formal with all these amazing words and everything else. Let me say this and... God is not interested in the complexity of your prayer. He's interested in the sincerity of your heart as you come to him in prayer. Amen. Tweet that, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. He's not interested in the complexity of our prayers. What he is interested in is the sincerity of our heart as we come to him in prayer. When you come to him in prayer, you can approach him with confidence because he is your father. Yes, we still honor him as God. That great God, realize that great God is your father. Now walk in confidence. <clears throat> Number two, we can pray with confidence because, yes, he is our father. But because he's our father, he cares for us. He cares for us. Somebody needs to hear this. Someone needs to really hear this and take this to heart. God cares about you because he loves you like a father does. Amen. He loves you more. And I always say this. He loves you more than you will ever know it. He loves you more than you will ever realize, more than you will ever understand, really. Because I think we don't have the capacity to understand the height, the depth, and the breadth of God's love for us. I don't think we have this capacity. That's why many times, and just speaking for myself, I'm totally blown away by his love. Because the more I get to know him, I just realize something else. And then I realize, man, how much he literally loves me. I've said this before in church. Don't ever lose your sense of amazement when it comes to God. Because then God will just become another thing that's lying in the corner. As you read the word, God opens your eyes to know him more. And as you know him more, your sense of awe just increases as you know him more. Don't ever lose. Church, don't ever let God just become something you just do every time. Don't ever lose. Don't read the word of God like that either. It's just a duty, you know. If I don't do it, something bad's going to happen. God... 
loves us. He cares for us. That's why we pray with confidence because God is love. God's compassion is one of his most outstanding qualities. Psalms 103, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who love or honor him. God loves us just as a father cares for his children. I always come to the story about the disciples in, in the boat and they're going across in the Sea of Galilee and the storm and everything comes on and the water's coming in to the boat and they start freaking out and they go, because Jesus is sleeping there, right? And they go ask him, what's the question? They ask him, God, oh Jesus, don't you care about us? Don't you care that we're going to drown? Realize Jesus was never worried in the first place, right? We know the cliche, if Jesus is in your boat, is in your boat you'll probably never sink. Whatever, different versions of those around. But yes, we will encounter storms in life, but no matter how big the storm or no matter how high the waves or how strong the wind, realize when you've got Jesus in the boat, when you have him with you, his presence is with you, he cares for you, and nothing's going to happen that is out of his control. He cares about our families. He cares about our, our career, our jobs, our, our kids, our school, our dating life, whatever. He cares about every aspect of our lives. The disciples kind of forgot when they were on that boat there. God, why don't you care? But the truth is he cares. Why? Because we, we can pray in confidence because he cares about every area of our life. There's nothing that is not important enough for God that you don't have to pray for it. Oh, I don't want to bother God. This is such a small thing. I can take care of it. Yes, you can, but pray. He can take care of it too. He'll give you the strength to take care of it. He cares for you. I think one of the most profound questions people ask me is, does God really care about me? And there's only one person in this world who whispers in your ear that God doesn't care. And that's the enemy. So don't buy into what he has to say. God does care about every detail of your life. That's why Peter, he says what? Cast your burdens, cast your anxiety, cast your worry onto him. Because he cares for you. He cares for you. Whatever it may be. Anxiety, stress, whatever problems. That are holding you down. Cast it on to Jesus. Because he cares for you. Think about this for a minute. Because I think many people think that it's the situation that is holding us down. But the truth is it's we who are holding the situation. And that's what's pulling us down. All we got to do is let go. And then allow God to take over. Cast your burdens onto Jesus. It's that idea of tossing things away. And I, I thought about this the other day when I was preparing for the previous sermon. That some of us throw stuff in a trash can when we're supposed to be flushing it down the drain. Because in the trash can we can always go and pick it up. When it's down the drain it takes a lot more effort to try and I don't know what. I've never tried it so... But some of us do that with the worry he's talking about here. We just want to push it to the side when we pray and then we want to go get it up to worry ourselves again. 
We throw it in a trash can instead of flushing it down the drain. And that's the confidence we have or we ought to have because God's in control. He cares for us. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares about every single area of your life. You need to know this because really there, you got to understand this because I've met so many people who think God doesn't care about the small little details in our lives. No, God cares about every single detail in your life. He's talking about the hair, number of hair we have on our heads, right? Now that's a small detail, but that's the whole point here. He cares about every single detail of our lives. Verse, chapter 6, verse uh, 31 and 32, we pray with confidence because we pray in prayer, we, we transfer our burdens onto Christ. And Jesus says, so don't worry saying, what are we going to eat or what are we going to wear? Because your heavenly Father knows you need these things. He cares about us. Someone challenged me with this a few years back. And when I wrestled with it and I thought about it, I, it, it, it really hit me. Because it simply said this, every time I worry, I actually doubt that I have a heavenly Father who cares for me. And I had to wrestle with it and think with it. And then I got it. And I'm still trying to get it. We pray with confidence because he is our father. And because as a father he cares about us. Number three. We can pray with confidence because we know God will never disappoint us. He will never let us down. He will never let us down. God will never, never let you down. He can be counted on. He's dependable. He's reliable. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift comes from a father who does not change like shifting, like shifting shadows. He does not change. He's always the same. As humans, we are fickle, unpredictable. But God is consistent in who he is. He will never let you down. Again, growing up, my dad it depended on his mood sometimes. If his mood was in a good word, I mean, he was either violent or he was silent, I always say. He was there, but not really there. It all depended on his mood. But thank God we have a God who's not moody. Amen. Thank God he's not having a bad day. Amen. God is consistent. Even when I am inconsistent, he is faithful when I am not really faithful too. He will never let me down. That's why I can pray with confidence. You know, there's some people, you know, if you have something or you need something, you've got to plan your approach. You've got to make sure they're in a good mood. And when they're in a good mood, then you can go slip your request in and you know he's in a good mood, so he's going to give it to you. Thank God he's not like that. Amen. I don't got to wait. I don't have to wait. Don't got to wait. I don't have to wait. For God to be in a good mood for me to go and pray. He is, he is there and he's never going to let me down. He's not going to like have a bad moment. He acts with consistency. He loves and he cares and he'll always love and care for me. Please don't ever doubt. Who God is in terms of what his promises are in his word. If he promises it, he will come through. 
He is consistent. He is dependable. He's reliable. You pray with confidence because I know God, my God, will never let me down. I also pray with confidence because I know God, my heavenly Father, is always there for me. He's always there for me. The Bible talks about it again and again and again. That God is not just a God who's sitting there in heaven looking at what we're doing to ourselves on earth. No, he is there with us, an ever-present God. He's always, always there with him, an ever-present help in time of trouble, the Bible says. I said this earlier, my father was there but not really there. But God is there and he's always going to be there. He is not someone who's detached from reality and detached from what's happening in your life. He is there for you. That's why we pray with confidence because he is always there for us. God is never too busy for me. That's why I can pray with confidence because he's never too busy for me. He doesn't say, hey, hold that thought for one minute. You know, I'm just in the middle of something there. He doesn't say that. He's never too busy for me. He doesn't say, okay, come back later. He's always there for me. That's why I can pray with confidence. That's why I can come to him with confidence and approach him with confidence. Because I know he is always going to be there for me. He's never going to be too busy for me. Thank God he's not like the DMV. I say, you know, take a, go take your token and wait in line. Take a number, pick a number, go wait in line i got 7 billion whatever people on the earth. Now just go wait your turn. He doesn't do that. That's why we pray with confidence. Because he's always there for me. He loves and realize this. And we need to understand this. God loves to meet our needs. Let me say this. It's not always our wants. But God loves to meet our needs. There's something about parenting, parenting that teaches me so much about God. So much more about God. Parenting helps you learn more about God. It's just nodding at Jillian and Chandler right there. <laughs> Nate and Raven too, but they're not here. Sorry. I had to throw that in. I'm sorry. The truth is, you can come to God anytime knowing that he's always there. You can come to him a million times in the day too. And he's always going to be there. He's not going to get tired of you and say, just leave me alone. There's nothing there. Again, I said, it's like, it's, it's me as a flawed father takes so much joy when I see my kids. You know, I give them something, or so, you know, and they open it and I see the joy in their faces. It gives me so much pleasure. Now think about God, how much pleasure. God delights in giving us stuff. Yeah. Got to be careful. I'm not being flippant about it. I'm not going extreme. But that's the truth. God delights in giving us and meeting our needs. He doesn't delight in holding things back and watching us suffer. We pray with confidence because we know God delights. In taking care of us and meeting our needs. Uh, Matthew 7 in that same section it says if you you know, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him. We pray with confidence because 
Again, he delights in giving us or meeting our needs. And again, I'm going to say this, which is challenging and probably a little uh, controversial. But God cares for us. He's always there for us. And he will never abandon us. Now, when I say he will never abandon us, I'm not buying into this once saved, always saved, not just buying blindly into this, but I really believe a person who's truly saved will not walk away from God. But here's the, the other side of that is we don't, as his children, do not have to live in fear of losing our salvation every time we make a mistake. But God will never abandon us and throw us to the curb as such every time we mess up. And even when we mess up again and again and again, He's never going to abandon us because his love for us is never going to change. He's always there for me. When I fall down, he's always there to pick me up. When I get hurt, he is that bomb of Gilead that we talk about who comes and comforts me. No matter how bad it gets, God is always there with me. He's always there with me. All we've got to do is just be honest with him, turn to him and say, God... I hurt. Sometimes it's the world. Sometimes it's my own stupidity. But he's not going to say, hey, you need to learn your lesson first. He's not going to say that. He's there for us. All we got to do is come to him and say, Abba, Father, Daddy God. That's how we need to approach him. Again, I said this. When it delights me when I walk in, my kids, the first thing they say is, Daddy's home. That's that relationship that's established. That's how we come to God again. It's not being disrespectful to call God our Father. Because Jesus himself told us to do that. God longs to have, you know, that kind of relationship that Alyssa and Aiden and Mara have with me. God longs for that same kind of relationship if we allow ourselves to view him like our Father. We pray with confidence because he is able to meet our needs too. It's not sometimes, again, I've been in situations where I have felt so bad, but I've also felt so helpless that I can't do anything. I remember in India this one time, and I was a young man in college, had nothing, broke college student. That's, it's true. But, and I was walking along the, the, the road, and we had just, someone had bought me and a couple of friends ice cream. And so we were licking on this ice cream. It's, and I don't know if I've shared this before. It's probably around 50 degrees. In India, 50 degrees is cold. Okay, we're freezing in 50. If you ask my mom, it's 75, and she's wearing like this big old parka or something. My mom, when she comes, she's cold every time. But it's easily around 50 degrees. It's the middle of winter, and me and my friends had just got some ice cream. Someone had bought us ice cream, and we were walking home, and I saw this person, this young kid, probably, I don't know, no bigger than Seth and Aid in that age, and he's... He's lying there on the ground with nothing except lying between a fallen telephone pole and the sidewalk. And he's snuck in there between. And the feeling of helplessness that came into my heart when I realized I didn't have, I had zero in my pocket to help him out. I didn't know what to do. I didn't even have a jacket to give him at that point in time. But thank God, even though I cared so much for the situation and I felt so helpless, I have a God who feels how I feel, the pain, but he's able to help me out of that pain. 
That's the God we pray. And that's why we pray with confidence. God, I'm hurting like crazy. But God, I know you are able to meet me at that point right there. You're able to deliver me from that problem. You're able to provide for me in that situation. That's why I pray for God with confidence. We need to approach God with that same kind of confidence because he is able. There's nothing our God cannot do. We sing that song as kids. There's nothing our God cannot do. I know you use the phrase, you know, nothing is impossible with God. Yes, it has its context, but that's the truth too. There really is nothing impossible for God. He's never short on resources. Thank God for that. He's never short. He's not limited by the things we are limited to as humans. That's the God and that's why we pray with confidence because he is able to meet that need. Please don't ever come to God and think, God, you know what? It's such a big situation. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Yes, you'll never make it, but God can make it. God will see you through. God is able to do far more exceedingly, right? Beyond what our imagination can take us, beyond our thoughts, beyond our hopes, God is able to do much more than that. All we got to do is come to him, not complicated, but just come to him earnestly like a kid comes to a father. Come to him. You're not being disrespectful. But all you're doing is coming with confidence because you know our God is also our father. Bow your heads with me at this time. Please understand If we say prayer changes things, let us not be wanting in this whole area of prayer. Let's be consistent in our prayer lives because prayer really does change things. And how do you have confidence when you pray You have confidence when you pray because you're not just coming to the supreme being that's out there. You don't have to come crawling on your hands and knees. And yes, we come with humility, but we also come with confidence because that great God is also our Father. And I know some of our earthly fathers were great reflections of our Heavenly Father, and I praise God for that. But I know some of our earthly fathers fell way short. But I'm not going to allow that to change my perspective on my Heavenly Father. When we pray, we pray with confidence, like I said, because we know who's in charge. My Father is in charge. So I can pray with confidence because He is our God. I know God is God and He's going to do what He wants to do. I know some of us use us as an excuse. 
why pray? If God's going to do what He's going to do, you know, it's just why bother praying? Let me tell you, part of prayer and the majority of prayer is just establishing that relationship where we come in submission to God. Yes, in submission, but it also establishes that relationship that God, you are my God and I am your child. That's why we pray. That's all. That's some of the things it reflects. Prayer is an act of humility because you're saying, God, I'm not in control. You are. And God, I come to you because you are in control. And I come to you with confidence because you are my Father. And as a father has compassion on his children, so our God has compassion for us. He's a father who loves us. He cares for us. That's why we can pray with confidence is because he genuinely cares for us. That's why he sent us his son, Jesus. Especially Ephesians, you talk about in Christ we have this confidence. This confidence is not for everybody in the world. It's but for those who are found in Christ. That's the one. Those are the people who have this comfort and confidence to call and approach God. Calling him up a father. He cares about every area of your life. He cares about every area of your life. And God is never going to let you down, church. I don't know if I know I had to listen to this and I had to get this and I remind myself of this. When I put my trust in God and I come to Him as my Father, I know He will never disappoint me. He will never let me down. I don't always get what I want. But I know He will never let me down. I know he's always going to be there for me. He's never, you know, just wait on, wait for a minute, come back. And I do that to my kids and it's horrible. God never does that. He's never too busy for you. Please understand this, this almost something you can't really... Uh, explain but there's this balance between God who's sovereign and this God where we come with confidence before him too balance that out we're not being disrespectful but all we're doing is just expressing our confidence in God being our father and be his children God's never going to abandon us no matter how many times we blow it He's never going to abandon us. He's like that father we find in Luke 15. He's there waiting. Yes, we do our own thing, but when we come back, he's always there for us. We don't have to prove ourselves to him before we come back. That's why we pray with confidence, no matter what. Jonah was realized. Jonah... He did everything that he wasn't supposed to do. Ended up in that belly of that whale. In that dark, lonely place, he cried out to God. And God heard his prayer because he's always there. You don't have to prove yourself before you come to God, our Father. Thank you, God. And God, it just blows my mind that you delight 
in meeting my needs. I don't always understand and I, sometimes I think I need something but I surrender to you my father cuz you know what's best for me. No matter what I'm going through right now God. Church no matter what you're going through right now I pray that you approach God with confidence.